You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. So, like I said, I'm, I'm in, I feel incredibly fortunate that I have the guitar in my life. I feel like it's always been kind of like a go-to for me, even as a kid. Like, I would just, like, go into my own world and just play for hours, and I would sort of emerge from that, like, feeling better if then like I accomplished something. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have them behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Heavy Montreal has some killer gigs coming through Montreal during the month of October, such as Sabaton with Epica and Trivium with Between the Buried and Me, Whitechapel, and Chemist. If you would like to grab tickets to either of these shows, head on over to their website, heavymontreal.com. I have put the link to that in the description of this podcast. I am just beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell your guitar-playing friends about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that is just a killer guitarist, you know who I'm talking about. We all have that friend that's just an incredible guitarist. Well, you should let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 360 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians some guitarists, and we talk all about their life and metal while sharing a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your guitar-playing friends to become a future Vox and Hopshead, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be back with Dave Davidson of Revocation. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 368. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am back with Dave Davidson of Revocation, Gargoyle, a bunch of other stuff, uh, guitar maestro, someone that is a very impressive, cool to hang out with, laid back. I'm very happy to be back with you because we are not on Zoom. Yes, we're face-to-face, in person. It makes me very, very happy to be doing this face-to-face, in person. My first face-to-face, in person, live interview back at Turbo House on St. Denis. The way the podcast started, I can't believe I'm back doing this. It feels good. It feels really good. You are playing Montreal tonight. This is what I used to do. This is cool. Shout out to Sarah from Looters for making me go back to my roots. Shout out. (laughs) Easiest question. Shittiest question. Complex question. I already asked you it, but I want to hear how it continued for you. How did you cope with the glorious year of 2021, half of 2022, writing a record, killer record? What else did you do? Um, That was pretty much it. You know, I think I just focused a lot on my work. Um learned all about recording, so spent a lot of time in the, the Logic DAW. Uh, learned a bit about video recording as well, as so many of us did. Yeah, because I was doing different collaborations. Uh, so learned a little bit about that, that and, I'm, and I'm continuing to learn about that. Um, and then, yeah, just wrote the record and recorded it. And now, now things are getting back to normal, it seems. So it's good to be back out there and playing shows. Headlining, tour, Crisian, Alluvial... Who else is out there? Inoculation. They didn't make it into Canada, unfortunately, but they'll be 
They'll on catch the up with show. you guys once they can. Exactly. The New York show. Let's just dive straight into cool stuff. I love speaking to past guests, Vox and Hops alumni, because then I can hear how their craft beer palate has evolved. But before that, I'm thirsty. I, I, I rushed here to come hang out with you on a Saturday night. We were at Turbo House. I choose all their craft beer, whatever you come here at Turbo House, ask for those craft beers. I'm the guy that chooses it. Uh, we are drinking something crispy from Lagerbrau, a very cool young brewery from here in Montreal. Uh, this is their Visepni, which is very cool because it's exactly the style of beer that La Patsica just made for Vox and Hops for Heavy Montreal Presents. Vox and Hops, brutal Montreal. Um, we, we sadly, oh, but we sadly, we have no lucre. I don't know if you lucre is, but uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. you get the massive foamy head there. Let's just now. How has your craft beer palate evolved? Last time we were together, way back on episode 190. This is probably going to be episode three. 65, 370, uh, you were drinking a cocktail that your roommate had made you because she was, they were testing out recipes for a bar that they were working at, a restaurant they were working at, and it was a beet juice, orange blossom, water, and rum cocktail. Yeah. How have you evolved craft beer-wise? <laughs> uh, you know... I'm I'm still into like a lot of the same stuff that uh, I normally was. So of course I still love like my my juicy hazy IPAs and all that. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've kind of like returned to to more of a crispy boy style with the uh, with the loggers and the pilsners. Um, I don't know. I feel like I just kind of assaulted my palate with just hops hops for <laughs> for a very juicy long time hops. juicy hops as we all did i think i mean it was such Fuck a craze yes we did, yeah um so yeah i'm i'm kind of going back into a a pilsner uh lager kind of mind frame i think well this is the perfect beer for that perfect nice crispy check inspired light lager cheers to you cheers face to face love it we're back crispy cereal Malt forward. Uh, what's cool about Lagerbrau is that they don't even have a brewery. They contract brew out of Avant-Garde, which are a very cool brewery here in Montreal, in Oshalaga, in the east end of Montreal. And they do a bunch of contract brewing for breweries that are just starting out, which is cool because that's how they got their start at Oshlag. And then here they are returning the favor. I love that very much. Uh, this is not a Hellas, but you are making a Hellas with someone that I like very much. Talk to me about this new beer, Beer Collab. I love it very much. KC Basie, The Nether Hells, yes. which is a perfect play on words with the new album that you got coming out, Nether Heaven. Come on. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, we did we, we did a hell theme record. We had to do a, a Hell's <laughs> beer to go along with it. You know, when you're in hell, you're sweating your ass off. Last thing you want is like a milk stout or Fuck no. some type of uh, you know, really Adjunct intense heavy. IPA. <laughs> you want a nice, crispy... Just delicious, refreshing lager to to cool down the, the flames of Satan <laughs> as he's just like cooking you out over the sizzling you on the grill. Crack open another house and you're you know you're you're in heaven, really. Now, Tony and the KCB crew are obviously legends. They're celebrating their sixth anniversary soon. Uh, I have actually never had any of their beer, despite the fact that they made a Vox and Hops collab. It's very difficult to get beer into Canada. Damn, and that's it's messed up. Always, <laughs> it's always very, very, very important to play by the rules, people. Do not mail me snow globes. Right. Uh, 4.6%, the nether hells. Uh, the whole story of this beer, how did this come together? Obviously, the concept makes sense with the record, but like, how did this conversation go down? I feel like when we did the chat last time, you had a collab with them in the works, but it never sort of materialized, I believe. You know, I think, the, obviously, the pandemic, a lot of... Uh, a lot of things 
happened over that time frame. So um, it didn't quite work out at that moment. But the good thing is uh, we circled back around. We we kept in touch. I mean, Tony's just like sick dude, like so cool, like coolest dude. Um, and a super nice guy too. Just like really friendly, like well, easy to rare talk to. People, right? Thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he's not all salty and like he's not in it for something. Right. He actually really likes exactly. people. He loves metal and he loves beer. Yeah. So, you know, Fucking he's a right. friend of mine. KCBC. That's right. So yeah, we we met. Uh, I think it was at the Behemoth. Like it was like a Behemoth like art gallery showing. Um, I forget what record it was, but they but they had done a, uh, a behemoth beer that had, uh, had come out like you know, to go to coincide with the record and uh, I think he introduced himself to me I can't remember how exactly we got the talking but just started shooting the shit and he was like oh yeah you know the head brewer at KCBC and um, we, we really kind of stayed in touch ever since so it's I would I can definitely say this has been a collaboration that's been a long time coming and it's nice to see the uh, the, the partnership come to fruition uh, when are you going to get your hands on this? You're going through New York soon. In By the New time York. this comes out, you're going to taste this beer. How involved were you with the brewing of the beer? Were you there? Tell me that story. And the you know the decision like Hells came from the album concept. That's why you wanted to make a Hellas, or is it just was that a discussion that was made too? Um, we had, we were kind of going back and forth on a couple of different things, and um, yeah, we, we we settled on the Hells Lager. Um, I wasn't involved with that. I mean, they've got a whole recipe and a whole... Fuck yeah. Let let people that know what they're exactly. doing do, and we can come up with the creative e- stuff. Exactly. So I'm like, hey, I'm in good hands here. Just just take me to Flavortown, really, is Fuck all yes. I ask. <laughs> did you go to brew there? Well, so we actually did an interview there while they were in the process of brewing oh, it. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was for uh, Metal Sucks. Yeah. You know, not to drive people away from your your podcast, but when you're no done, stress. when you're done listening yeah. to this, you can also go check out that. I'll put the link to it exactly. in the description of the podcast. There you so go. The people yeah. Metal sucks. But it wasn't like so. I guess it was a, it was a brew day. You know, <laughs> Nether Heaven uh, just came out. We're having a conversation like the day after it came out. Yes. So it came out September 9th via Metal Blade Records. The, talk to me about this record. It was what soothed you and probably tormented you throughout the pandemic the creation of a new record it's always a lot of work that goes into it and not to say that other bands don't work as hard as you do but you're a prolific guitarist so obviously you want to top yourself every record so is it fun still pushing these moments in your a hundred percent yeah it's it's certainly a labor of love it, it is a lot of work uh it it when i'm in writing mode um and and obviously recording mode as well but um you know writing mode it's occupying so much of my mental bandwidth. It's like a, a weird puzzle I have to solve. Like once I'm starting to like write a song and really put the pieces together, I kind of like don't rest until it's finished. So generally, we'll one song at a time, um, one piece well, at a actually, time. Actually, I'll kind of bounce around okay. sometimes, but like I'll kind of have like this mental checklist, and if I feel like I'm not getting anywhere with a specific song, I'll kind of move to the next line item and work on that, and then I'll I'll jump back to it. Sometimes I feel like I almost maybe need. A break, Absolutely. like so. My mind is always going, but maybe it, when it pertains to a specific song, I'll be like, "All right, let me just like let me marinate on that. I've got other work to do. That way, I don't get sort of jammed up in the in the writing process, and I can just let the ideas flow. And then, you know, you, a few days later, you circle back to it, and then boom, something hits you, and it just like makes sense. Um, and then, obviously, when you're recording, you're really in it. I mean, when I'm when I'm writing, I'm still 
I'm still doing other work. I'm still teaching or maybe doing other collaborative things. You're always um, playing. Yeah, exactly. Which You're, is good. Yeah, yeah. It's basically what Matt Heafy did, dude. He doesn't have to practice anymore. Right. Because he's always constantly practicing. playing. Yep. There is no practicing. It's just a lifestyle. Yep, exactly. It's like um, craft beer for me. Right. You don't always you know, drinking. I, yeah, you're never sober. <laughs> I love it. No, but uh, you know, uh, how involved? And I, I'm sure people have asked this before, but I am curious about it. How involved are other members of the band, or is it really a Dave show? I mean, I like to play on everyone's strengths. Mm-hmm. So, for me, when I'm writing, I'm I'm coming up with the riffs and I'm coming up with the song structures for the most part. I bring the other guys in once I feel like I have something that's worth showing them. Um, I mean, when we're maybe rehearsing for a tour, if I have like a riff idea or something like that, I'll I'll bring it to the table just just to have fun and be like, oh, check out this thing I wrote, and we'll jam it in the room. And that also sometimes kind of lets me know, like, oh yeah, this is actually really good. And it comes by riffs. You're not building drum beats. It's like a BPM and a riff. It, yeah, I. It's like you don't present. I don't Ash, program. Like Ash, Ash, you play this beat. There's times that Ash has surprised you with the beat that he's pulled over. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, and it's like brought the song in a different direction. Yeah, I don't maybe? spend my time programming the drums mm-hmm. out. I I can hear the drums all yeah. in my head. Yeah, and I mean, me and Ash are on such the same page that like, I mean, if I write a riff that that I feel like clearly has a thrash beat pulse to it. I don't really need to tell Ash that. I think he just kind of can hear something and intrinsically be like, "Yeah." Like, and then of course, like if you have if you have a, a thrash beat, you're probably going to be in like the you know the 200 to whatever 230 BPM range. So like you know, blast beats could work over it, and that's kind of where you start to have fun. Like, okay, let's try it with a thrash beat. Let's try it with a blast beat. Oh, how would we, how would it sound if we kind of broke it down and did like a Slayer style kind of ride thing with the snare on the yeah. three and just kind of yes. keep it driving. Yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll this band's put, making whole careers out of that right, right now. Right, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll put we'll put a riff through its paces for sure, and then we'll kind of settle on um, whatever beat we think feels the best for the pulse. And sometimes it might be multiple beats. Um, where the I think where the real magic comes in is in sort of little sort of nuance things like maybe Ash is lining up with the gallops on the guitar with his kick, yeah, or. Uh, maybe there's a certain accent that I want him to hit on the yeah. hi hat or the, or on the crash or whatever. That you've always imagined it exactly, that way. exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll just kind of um, add in all those extra bells and whistles that really make it come to life. Um, and it's the same thing with the bass. I mean, when I'm writing riffs and I'm giving them to Brett, I'll I'll have a general kind of tonality in my mind, and then we'll sort of flesh it out from there. So let's say like a riff is sort of moving through maybe a few different keys. So overall, like it might have, I don't know, three or four different, you know, bass notes that are uh, encapsulating the... essential right, right, to exactly, the riff. Yeah. To the riff that, that like but highlight. around that, he, can, he has freedom. Right, and dress it up. And sometimes I'll come in with an idea. I mean, Brett's so great to work with because he just cares about the song at the end of the day. He's very, like, no ego when it comes to that. I mean, he's a great player, just an incredible musician, has really cool ideas. But, like, you know, if I have a cool idea on bass, it would be like, cool, yeah, just just teach it to me. It's not even like, oh, well, I have to yeah, put yeah. it through my... That's maturity uh, in many years. Exactly, exactly. And trusting mm-hmm. your partners, basically, yep. you know? And songwriting is a partnership, and you're creating and painting a portrait together. 100%. And then, obviously, he'll bring stuff to me that will blow me away, and I'll be like, oh, cool, I never would have thought of that. Is so. there things like that where he will write riffs that have made it onto records? Uh, so he doesn't write riffs, but he'll write... Uh, like I said, like, you know, different bass lines. Maybe he'll add, like, a counterpoint thing. Uh, I think he really shines in, like, different, like, 
you know, techniques, obviously, that I don't have down on, on bass. So he'll, he'll do cool, like, kind of percussive, like, tapping kind of lines sometimes. Which is totally not in your wheelhouse. Of- yeah, I mean, I do tapping in my own way on the guitar, but it's obviously different, like, when it's on a bass, and it's, like, even, like, kind of, like, a different approach. And, and he even knows, it's almost like, you know, a composer, like, you, like, you know what sort of works on different instruments. Like, if you're composing for a symphony, you know, you have to know, like, the ranges of every single instrument. Like, you can't write something for violin that's, like, not playable, right? You can't write something for, uh, you know, whatever. Listen, children that yeah. write on Guitar Pro. Right, right. <laughs> Listen. Oh, I've, I've ran into that problem with students before where it's like... Listen. Right. You know, I've had students be like, is this playable? And I'm like, I don't know. Can you play it? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, well, it ain't playable then. I can play it maybe, but maybe you can't. Right. No, some of them I probably couldn't even play. I'm like, this is crazy. Talk to me about spider riffs. Spider riffs. I love them. What's what, what what is a spider riff? I was watching an interview with you recently. Mm. You kept saying the word spider riffs, and uh-huh. I was like, "What the fuck's a spider riff?" I think I picked that up from. Um, I think it was actually Dave Mustaine that really? used that term in like an old interview, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I totally know what it means. I don't know. It just basically means like your hand just looks like this like spider that's just because it's moving like, like up and a down tarantula is like yeah, walking up and down exactly when each, when each finger kind of yeah looks like the, the legs on a on a gnarly tarantula <laughs> uh and, he, and he's moving it i love it double time <laughs> and then like counterpoint counterpoint you, you mentioned the word counterpoint a lot and that also uh-huh. in that same I'll, I'll give revolver a shout out <laughs> I, I definitely We're pulling w- everyone away from I, your podcast I definitely so. w- go check out that revolver <laughs> thing because i totally watched it last night which i love doing and i feel like a lot of people don't give the shout outs okay but that's okay that's some right. people just take people's content and just make it their own right i'm not going to do that there we go i love to do research and watching other interviews is easy counterpoints you, you mentioned counterpoints as an important thing in writing songwriting can you explain that to me i'm sure it's like a musical thing i'm a death metal vocalist i'm not a musician <laughs> i grunt on time <laughs> right 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 yeah so i mean so you, you essentially i mean counterpoint has been around probably for as long as human beings have been writing music collectively um you know it essentially just means sort of two independent lines right two or more independent lines so if we're singing happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, <laughs> so, yeah, these beers are kicking in. It's 4%. We're yeah, okay. Yeah, we're yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's light. It's light. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> if we're singing happy tonight. birthday together, unless you have like a beautiful falsetto voice that I'm unaware of, we're, we're, pro- yeah. <laughs> we're, we're probably uh, going to be singing like in the same octave in the same yes. exact melodic line. So there's zero counterpoint happening there. Okay. Interesting. Right. So if you were to sing like a counter melody to that, mm. right, like you maybe go down when I'm going up, yes, okay. that would be an example. So there's, there's essentially four types of counterpoint. Uh, you have uh, uh, parallel motion, which means if, if one note moves up a whole step, the next note, let's say the harmony is a perfect fifth. I understand. So, the, so it follows. It follows it exactly. So that was actually a big no-no in uh, classical counterpoint. They wanted to avoid, in terms of parallel fifths, which is funny. That's like the backbone of like rock music. Absolutely. Is parallel fifths moving yes. around. Um, although, like, I, I, you know, I believe if you if you dig into some of like the archives of like you know Bach or Mozart or Beethoven, you'll find instances in their music where they are using parallel fifths. Because they, one of those were, they were fucking badass. Exactly. That's why. They, they, you know, they make the rules and they break the rules, right? That's how it works. Um, they, they probably sat there and like walked away and came back and were like, fuck it, fine, I'm going right, to use the fucking right, parallel fifth. Right, fifth. right, right. So uh, that, that's an example of, of uh, parallel motion. Then you have similar motion. 
which is the the two lines are moving in the same way. Uh, so up or down, but with different intervals. So maybe like one line yeah. moves up a, a fifth, and the next line moves up a third, or something like that. So they're 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 still moving together in an up or downward direction, but the intervals are are changing. Then you have uh, oblique motion, okay, which is one note stays the same, and another note moves yeah. around from there. Um, so some like to me, like I like to kind of play around with that idea kind of in like an loose way with like um, you know kind of thrash riffs where it might have like one low steady kind of bass note that's like you know being like a pedal point kind of tone and then a bunch of other notes that are sort of ping-ponging off that low bass note and moving around uh, and then finally uh, what I consider to be probably the most interesting type of counterpoint is contrary motion hmm. so similar the, the notes are moving together they're doing the opposite down. this is going the opposite so one note moves down one note moves up uh, and the the collection of all four types of the of that counterpoint, uh, you know, is basically cool music. <laughs> what makes interesting music? Right, right. So it's not, not like you have to only do one or the other. It's it's, it's more playing of a, with all of them. Exactly. So they're just kind of tools or colors in your cal- color palette, if you want to call it that. Oh, very getting interesting. really nerdy. The, I, I'm on happy you did classical that. Classical counterpoint. I'm happy you did on a, that on a beer drinking podcast. Oh, no, it's beer and metal and life. Uh, uh, something that's important about life, and you mentioned a little bit, walking away, moving to a different song. Uh, how do you deal, really? Fuck off, Wasp. <laughs> it's it's early September. The Wasps are it's wasp in season. You're going to get <laughs> Hey, we're doing a podcast. Thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, that's all I had to say. But, uh, he was like, oh, oh. Big sorry, fan. sorry. It's <laughs> a fox and hop. Sorry, I'm sorry. But, uh, Buzz off. <laughs> Dealing with writer's block, what would be the main way that you deal with it? What's a technique, aside from just moving to something else, when you do hit a real wall? I spoke with Sylvain, and she had to just stop for months. Work on, uh, actually, I think it was Gorecki, who was a famous uh, composer, said uh, on the subject of writer's block, it's perhaps better to spend the time with a... With a beer. He's a fellow beer man. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Gorecki. Yeah. Come back from the dead. Henrik Gorecki. He, he may still be alive. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's a modern guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that back. Yeah. Gorecki. Great. Great Gorecki. music. Nightmare stuff. Beautiful, but like some of his stuff's like really like gnarly sounding. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for me, like I just, I use that time to say, okay, cool. I don't have anything uh, worthwhile to say or w- whatever. My, my brain antenna is not tuned to the right dial right now of, of the creative forces that are out there. So let me learn someone else's music. Let oh, yeah. me go transcribe oh, yeah. this jazz solo that's blowing my mind. Ah. And, you know, so and I'm never, that I'm, might just be the key to unlock I mean, the door. Even. Exactly. Or, or it just gets me just amped on music in general. And I just get that feeling back. You know, I, I don't mm. I never I never put the instrument down. I never just like not walk even. away entirely because there's just <laughs> too much. Just because I can't write something doesn't mean you can't have fun playing guitar, right? Or, or yeah, or or you know, even beyond fun, like un- unlock some like skill, n- yeah, or, or just appreciate someone's just deep sage wisdom on the instrument. Do you feel like when you play, when you learn someone's solo, are you like entering their soul or like feeling like a part of that person? Um. I mean, I feel like I, I get that experience when I'm listening to music. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so I think certainly when I'm learning it, I get an even, you know, deeper admiration for it. Or maybe it's a different type of admiration for it because I've certainly had, I've had 
you know, amazing experiences when there's been no guitar in sight. And I'm just purely, I mean, the reason I play guitar so much is because I love music and live for those yeah. types of experiences. So, yeah, I mean, I would argue I, I get it just listening to music, right? I mean, when someone's, when I mean, you can really hear it, someone's like pouring their heart and soul into the music that they're writing, whether it's, whether it's a song or an improvised solo or, you know, or a symphony. I mean, yeah, I think they're kind of like telling you who they are and you're sharing in that type of, uh, you know, spiritual, meditative, whatever you want to call it, that type of experience. Um, and, you know, for that reason, I think music is, I mean, it's certainly my favorite art form. I'm, I'm biased. I'm a musician, right? But, I mean, it's just so powerful. It's a huge part of ourselves that yeah. we put into it. Yeah. And to paint a, like a portrait with a sound. It's a sound portrait, bro. <laughs> Gargoyle, you were hanging out with the boys last night. Yeah, I saw Tour my... kicked off in Toronto. What's going on there? First time we spoke to each other was about that record that you dropped. Yeah. So, so talk to me about the future of that. Uh, so Gargoyle, uh, we're, we're, we're writing music. Uh, the demos that Luke has sent me have blown my fucking mind. Good. Like, he is just such a great songwriter. Great, He's gotten better as a vocalist, too. I think he delivered a, an insane performance on our last record. Hell yes. He's just gotten that much better. Um, there's, like, at least in the demos, there's, like, a little bit of, like, a... I mean, that, that, that grunge feel is coming through more yeah. and more. There's some just... Just a bit more even just kind of, I don't know, sassy rock and roll attitude, for lack of a better term. You know, like... Some of my favorite vocalists just have that. You know, someone can sing a note, but it's how you deliver the note. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. even just on the demos, he's kind of, I can just hear he's sort of having fun with it and kind of really embracing like the front man feel, which Good. I love. Um, even in death metal vocalists, I feel like, you know. A personality. Yeah. I want to hear someone. I don't want to hear like a carbon copy clone of somebody Fuck else. no. You right. want a personality. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so like we're we're working on music. Obviously, right now I'm just full, very, very, very yeah, revo mode. Yeah, um, but as soon as I get some free time, uh, we're going to uh, definitely, you know. Did you ever perform? I feel like you guys. We did a few shows, and that was okay. it. Because like, I mean, we were planning on doing like a whole promotion of the tour, whole record, and yeah. then obviously COVID hit, and I think we made the decision like we hey, we've been working on this record for so long, and uh, let's just put it out. And we'll figure it out later. And then, like, I think things took longer than expected to get back Always. to normal. And then yeah. by the time that rolled around, like, Reva was going on tour. And then the, then, then the Reva record. So it, it it's unfortunate because I really think that that Gargoyle debut was... I thought I thought it was a really cool record. And I, I feel, you know, a little bummed that not enough people heard it. So if you're listening to this podcast... Check out Gargoyle. Listen to... And there's no E at the end. Garg, no, there's no right. E at the end. Just Gargoyle. Who knows? Maybe maybe it's a search engine thing. You need right? to do like like a collab with that anime <laughs> from the nineties. I know everyone always. I never fucking seen that show. <laughs> so cool! I loved yeah. it when I was a kid. Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, like the show." I'm like, "No, no." no. Like gargoyles <laughs> existed before the Fuck animated yes. show. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck do you think that was bait? Where they, they just made the word up? Like, they're gargoyles that come to life. All those things on those ancient churches, 1990 and later. Right, right. <laughs> right they knew back then that there would be a, a, a short lived animated series on Cartoon Network. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Fox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. 
that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. A heavy subject, and especially for you, it's a heavy one, um, mental health. What do you do when you're not feeling well, when you feel like some of your friends are not feeling well? What is your tactic for yourself? We'll start with that. Uh, what is the best way to get yourself out of a funk? You know, I honestly... Well, I'll start it off by saying this. I think everyone has their good days and their bad days. I've certainly have woken up, you know, very depressed before. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get out of that. I feel like sometimes it's almost like our, our brains, certainly depending on what your brain chemistry is, I think some people are more susceptible to it than others, um, just by whatever the luck of the draw is. But to chemistry. Chemistry, Chemical. exactly. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we're all, we're all susceptible to it. And, you know, I think it's, it's about maybe sort of recognizing that you're in that headspace. And then, like, I don't know, like, for me... Just even going for a walk, like getting some vitamin D, like doing a little workout, like you start to kind of get some of those like endorphins going. You start to get some of that negative emotion out just through like sweating. And before you know it, you kind of forget that you're like you're like tired from a workout or whatever. And I don't even like work out. I'm not I'm not like <laughs> like in like buff or like in shape. I'm just saying like the the minimal amount that like I'll do will automatically just reset make, it you. just kind of resets your brain like yeah. i don't know it just kind of does something and it's like it it takes your mind off of whatever negative thoughts that you're having and it's just like oh cool like i got my blood pumping you know yeah maybe you feel like a little bit like tired afterwards but it's like in a good way it's not like that like tired lethargicness you get from like when you're just being depressed and you're mm-hmm. just like oh i just want to like lay on in the couch and like watch fucking tv all whatever, day or whatever all day. yeah um, so there's that, but uh, I feel incredibly lucky because I have music as my outlet. So that to me, above anything else, is really, I think, the best form of therapy that I have because, especially with metal, I mean, it, there's this wonderful alchemy there where you can take negative emotions, you know, anything, all of the negativity in the world that you can think of, you can sort of channel through. And it's like this weird primal scream therapy, even just like the process of like writing the song and like playing it, even if it's, you know, even playing it live, just like in the practice room, just kind of pull something out. And all of a sudden, like, you know, like a, a song about depression lifts you up or, yeah. or lifts other people up. Yeah. So it's taking these negative emotions and turning them into something positive. Um, so like I said, I'm, I'm, in, I feel incredibly fortunate that I have the guitar in my life I feel like it's always been kind of like a go-to for me even as a kid like I would just like go into my 
own world and just play for hours and I would sort of emerge from that like feeling better if then like I accomplished something and at the end of the day like I think that's the most important thing is like you know trying to be creative try you know stay active stay healthy um you know like I said just fucking vitamin d you know sometimes people just like that are indoors all day and then you know you get depressed and you don't want to go out and then it's just like this vicious cycle. The modern cycle. world has us exactly. hooked up to devices right. all day which are built right to make us feel like shit mm -hmm. basically. So get out there, go uh go take a walk. Grab a grab a coffee, grab a beer. And don't drink too much cuz that's no. not going to be good for if your depression. If you're not feeling well, don't drink too much. Right, that's right. that's or at all, you know, maybe just cut it cut it down. Take a, a break. Yeah. How about when when you feeling one of your friends is not doing well? What is your tactic there? I reach out. Yeah, you get, you just I mean, to me, a, a friend is a is a beautiful thing. You know, otherwise they're just like you know an acquaintance, which is fine too. I mean, you know, everyone's got different people in different parts of their life, and maybe someone you don't really know that that well. Um, but you can still even just reach out to, to someone that you maybe are just on the peripheral of if you if you feel the, the need to. I do to. that often. If yeah. I see something weird Right, there, exactly. Just yeah, a just message. Like a, Sometimes a message is exactly. hypothetically enough to pull someone in the right, right direction. Right. Um, but, you know, certainly if it's if it's someone in your circle, um, yeah, I mean, why, you know, why, uh, why wouldn't you? I mean, you got to, like, check on your friends from time to time and... You know, just let them know that they're loved. Let them know. I, I, I've had friends whether whether they went through like a personal loss or they were dealing with an addiction thing, and you know, just got to do your best to try to be there for them. You don't want to. Sometimes you don't want to talk too much. You just want to let them go. You know. I, I think that's super important too. Yep. Just being there for your friend. Right. Because sometimes depression, you don't want people right. around. Right. Right. But if you're just physically there. Right. They're not alone. Exactly. Um, and it happens on tour, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see it on tour packages. Sometimes have something's happening at home. And you see your guy, one of your friends that's on the package is having a shit day. Right. It happens. You know? yeah. And this is like, we're supposed to want to be here. It's what we've always wanted to do. Right. Even on those amazing tours, there's shitty days. Oh, so yeah. There's ups and downs for everything and everyone. It's how it's we deal with them and how we approach them. It's happened, I think, everybody, uh, you know, in, in my band before where, you know, it's happened to me. Someone's rolled up, you know. What's up? I know you're. Yeah. I know something's on your I mind. I can feel you. Yeah, yeah. Talk <laughs> to me. Um, and I've I've done the same for my other guys in my band, where I've rolled up to them and said, "Hey, something seems off. Like, what's going on? You want to talk?" Sometimes they don't want to talk. Then you know, you just kind of back off and be like, "Okay, when you're ready, maybe you circle back a I'm day here, later." Yeah. And sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes they bounce back. They're just in in yeah. a funk for a day, and that's happened to me before. Where like I'm just in a in a just a rotten mood. But then, you know, tomorrow's a new day. I get I get a, whatever happens in your REM sleep or whatever. You kind of wake up and you can reset sometimes. I love so, that shit. Yeah. So that's good, too. But, yeah, just just fucking be there, you know, and just, just reach out. Uh, even the smallest gesture can, can actually mean a lot sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Color coordination. <laughs> All right. Here I don't we know go. if you saw my paper, but I love making collabs. Um, this is not one. I typically have a collab when I do this. I was about to reach for a beer and say, I made this, but I didn't. Uh, but I did pick it here. Uh, I'm collaborating with Turbo House, let's say that, uh, to choose their beer list. Uh, I love making beers for myself. I love making coffee. I love making teas. You love color coordinating your guitars and your shoes. So so how soon are you going to get that Nike collab? Yo, Nike, if you're listening, <laughs> holler at your boy. I got ideas. <laughs> well, what's up with this? I'm sure everyone's asked you about 
I'm still curious. I think it's cool. Who's done this? No one's done this. The, the, the guitars to the shoes. I mean, I just had to do it to him like that. I don't know. It was... Because uh, it started on this, this cycle. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe uh, during the pandemic, I started... Uh, a shoe fetish? Going down to the... I think we all had our own little forms of retail <laughs> therapy. So I, I, I got into J's. You know? Really? Okay. I, I like the high OG, the ones. Oh, they're fucking cool. So if you see with one and they're they're in your size... I gave a dude you, a shout out today. You, you have like, to he, buy He looked them? at me like I had three heads. I was like, oh, hell yeah, dude. The high OG, dark mo. He was wearing a cradle of flow shirt. And Did I, you recognize him? Uh, I, I don't know. I was like, oh, dude, you got the dark mogas on. Respect. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like... You have nice shoes, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you go to a store and they have your size, do you have to buy them? Okay, so this might be an unpopular <laughs> opinion. This might get me, like, canceled for my Nike endorsement, but I don't think the Nike stores have, like, good shit. we got to make it better. See, that could be your collab. Yeah. Well, how do you make them better? Well, it's just, like, the, the shit that I think looks really... Well, so here's the thing. Like, well, Nike will do, like, drops, and then everyone buys them up, and then they're, like, gone. So, like... The beer the beer world has copied that right. business model, right? So, like, you know, I'll go in, and, like, they'll have, like, a bunch of different styles of shoe but like i mean like i said i'm a high i'm a ones high og no offense to mid guys or low guys i just i like my high ogs it's the thrash metal <laughs> Fuck yeah. kidding me you know <laughs> so i uh yeah I'll like I'll, I'll see like one pair and it'll be like i don't know just some like color scheme that i don't think is that hot but like so i'll go on like uh, I mean, there's like you know a bunch of different like websites that'll have what is it, stadium goods or, uh, and I don't even know how they do it. If they just like buy them all up and just like have this warehouse with those set them because like when they drop, they'll be like 180 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And then like, you know, a year goes by and no one can get them, and they'll be like, you know, yeah, whatever, right? Inflation. You know, yeah, yeah, 800 bucks or um, supply and demand. Yeah. This is what we're doing wrong with our music. Everyone could just get our music now. Right. <laughs> Maybe the NFT thing is actually a good idea. You know, I th right now, it might not be the best investment, but who knows? Maybe it's the bottom, and, and now is when, when you want to get in. Uh, but, yeah, I, th I think if there was more of, like, an evergreen quality to some of those, like, classic designs, I would definitely be, like... I still do hit the Nike store, especially if, like, I'm, like, traveling abroad. I'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe, like, in, like, maybe. Germany, there might be some crazy, right? But, yeah, I've, honestly, every time I've gone... I've only bought in one pair of J's in a store and it was in uh, Hawaii really and okay. it was my and it was it was my first pair of J's and, and looking back I don't even know they're, they're, they're cool but they're not like they're, they're like my least favorite pair so if Nike were to call you what would what would your shoe really be if you could like custom design? Oh man, your collab Nike shoe. You know that is a really I haven't thought about that yet. Um, you know I have to get my 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 legal team to talk to their legal team. <laughs> I mean I love like a red. Uh, I mean I think like the classic like Jordan like bull shoe with like the like the the classic Chicago, the white and the red with the black. So. You know, maybe some type of play on that. I really can't. I'd have to. I'd have to like. I'd have to think about it. Although I will say, you know, it could be cool to do like, because they do like a couple pairs, like really limited runs where like the the swoosh is like, like not actually like, it's like free floating and there's just like a little bit of like, it's like kind of embroidered into it, like almost like a pin. Uh, but 
These are shoes you don't wear, right? Uh, no, you wear. <laughs> well, uh, they're like they're like three grand, and they have like weird like Jesus. writing on the side, so it, it's it's supposed to be like super limited. I left my house with two different shoes today, and then I was like. This feels weird, and I realized that I had two different shoes. That's It's a true story. Oh my god! I have, they're, they're the same, you know, but one pair is older. Your <laughs> true story. Your uh, your trendsetter here. <laughs> I saw a dude wearing a pair of those uh, the, in the blue color scheme, and they were just like so filthy, like beat to hell. Like he looked like he was like running through like mud, mud puddles with them. them. And I'm like, like playing, damn, playing like, festivals I'm like, those in things cost like three k. Wow. Um, but anyway, so. I'd, I would want to do something maybe you know creative and unique with it, but I haven't I haven't given it much thought. But Nike, if you're listening, I'm not. It's not to say that I couldn't come up with an idea. You know, I just haven't given it much thought. If anyone in metal deserves their own shoe, it's if you. Nike were to call me, uh, you better believe I'd, I'd have a, a pen and pencil and I'd be I'd be jotting some. I think it's cool. Some ideas down. Uh, yeah. I think it's you. I think I, I, it's it's definitely gonna be you're gonna you. Like, can, can we you turn the Nike logo into like a pentagram somehow or something like that? Like that could be kind of cool. I think you always have to wear colored matched shoes from now on, though. I know I can't. No, I brought two you're, pairs. You're uh, stuck on with that. I saw that pic, yeah. <laughs> which inspired the question. Yeah. <laughs> Anata called me. They gave me that album, by the way. Another. Are you kidding me? Uh, no, I am joking. Of oh, course. Fuck. Another shout out to <laughs> to Revolver last night that I watched. I know. I was hoping someone would reach <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Three sentences. This is about Dan Mulgaray and how important he is for everything that you've become. Uh, what can be said that I haven't said already? <laughs> actually, Dan reached out to me recently because uh, he saw the Revolver yeah. interview, and he's like, oh, thanks so much. Yeah, he's going to send me a, a martyr uh, care package, I think, Amazing. which would be sick. Um, yeah, I fucking love Dan. He's incredible. Um, I mean, he's still putting out insane shit. He's just one of those, like, gems of the scene. Uh, and then one, uh, again, one of those nicest people. Yeah, not, like, super nice, super talented um, he just is a truly unique, creative voice in the scene. I mean, what more can you ask for with that? I mean, that's what every musician I think is striving for is to have their own unique voice. And he has it all the way. And he has a level of technical proficiency that is just on another level. So he's also like kind of impossible to imitate for that same reason. So it's like not only does he have his own unique voice, he's like incredibly hard to copy. So, so if you were to just hear a new Dan Mulgrain solo, let's say, you would know it's him? Yeah, I would say so. Like, I'd, have to, like, I'd have to hear like the, the whole context of like, would it be a, a solo over like a riff he wrote? Yeah. Then yeah, I think I could pick that out. I love that. Yeah. One last question. I asked it to you before. I'm wondering if it evolved. Uh, your hangover cure. Last time you said the older we get, the worse it gets. Prevention is key. If you're stuck there, maybe just lots of water, some coconut water. Has that evolved at all? Well, I will say if you were going to eat, I think like a nice, a nice bowl of pho. A hundred percent. A know, few the, people have the, told me the that. The star anise yeah. and the different, but like you got to go to like a legit spot where they're really simmering tons of different herbs and spices up in that in that cauldron there. <laughs> um, and then like you know, if you're vegetarian, that's fine. Probably probably a healthier option. But I think there's something to be said about that that beef. Uh, you know, when they're they're cooking those like bones down, and there's like the collagen and all that stuff. You see that layer of just fat at the top. My mouth's watering right now. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. There's a place actually in Richmond called Fotato. I'm going to shout out Fotato right now. Hell yes. They have one of the nicest waiters. 
One of the best winners I've ever had, I think. Works at Fotato. Super rad dude. And uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the foe there is incredible. I interviewed Dan. And I'm right. almost 100% certain that he said the same thing. Pho. Oh, uh, yeah. Or miso soup. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, miso. I can't remember. I was one or the other, but it was definitely an Asian soup. So that's interesting that both of you have that same hangover cure. I mean, ramen might help just because it, 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 that fat content. But I think pho is a cleaner he- cure. You know, it's like the, it's the, the broth is a little thinner. It's not as heavy. Like you can you can eat pho and like like eat a ball of pho, take a nap. Maybe don't opt for the Vietnamese iced coffee. See, that's the danger, right? Because I'll I just have to do the Vietnamese iced coffee when I get pho. But if I'm hungover, getting like a lethal injection of caffeine is is just gonna up the anxiety. Yes. Factor. Anxiety. Yeah. Oh God, it's the worst. So. I think maybe don't get the just I know you want it. I want it too. <laughs> but don't get the Vietnamese iced coffee. Just do the fall. Take a nap. Then get the iced coffee. Then get the iced coffee when you wake up. Or just don't caffeinate it all that day. That's the day you can just be a total piece of shit. Dave, thank you so so much hanging with me yet again, talking about your life, music, craft beer, everyone. Revocation, the Nether Heaven, just came out. Metal Blade Records, September 9th. Check it out. You're gonna like it. Dave this is amazing. Face to face. Here we go. We fought a bee together. Cheers, man. It was awesome. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was just a killer conversation. It felt so good to be doing a face-to-face interview once again, back to my roots. It's just incredible how long it had been since I've done this. Typically, when I do these chats, I go meet the artists at the venue, and then we walk together, and we have a little bit of a moment just chit-chatting about life and tour until we actually get to the bar. Massive shout-out to Turbo House for giving us a great place to have a nice conversation. And then, you know, we start the interview. It just felt like old times. It was awesome. Massive cheers for Dave for being just an awesome, awesome guest. He's truly one of a kind, one of the best guitarists, one of the best performers out there there and what a great person to talk to i had a blast and i hope that he did as well now if you enjoyed this vox and hops episode you should sign up to the vox and hops metal podcast mailing list you can do that on my website voxandhops.com that's v-o-x-a-n-d-h-o-p-s.com and when you do that you shall receive one email a month that will contain all the details of everything that has happened in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast you will get to see which episodes i dropped recently you'll get to see which episodes i have coming up you will get to see which albums the vox and hops album review crew have reviewed recently you will also get to hear about any projects i have in the works before i announce them to the public and you will get to see which albums jerry monk the metal architect himself has added to the brutal awakenings playlist there's always a lot going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast and i'd hate for you to miss a single thing so please sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i will be back next tuesday with another heavy montreal presents vox and hops episode but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers fox and hops heads welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute what's the name of that podcast that's axe to grind uh and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all (laughs) and my name's bob 
And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast